Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. How many are thankful that once you were lost and now you're found today? How many are thankful that Easter is not just something on the calendar? It is a reminder that no matter what life threw at me, Jesus Christ healed me, put me back together again. How many have ever had more than one chance? Come on, thankful for second chances. Easter Sunday, I love this day, is the greatest day of hope in the history of mankind. Think of that. This is the greatest day of hope in the entire record of human history. It was the day when everything Satan ever designed to ruin your life. It is the day when every mistake every human being ever made around you. It is the day when you are dealing with the greatest mistake or failure you ever had. We meet something bigger than that. And it is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. On our behalf, he died on the cross and shed his blood for our sins. Three days later, he was raised from the grave. And it just tells us no matter how big the setback, no matter how big the failure, no matter how much shame or hurt, that we are forgiven and resurrected with his power. Can somebody say amen to that? You know, there's something about this day. Think about it. It's good. It's good. It's it's the most attended day, the highest attended Sunday of the entire calendar year. Do you know why? Something instinctive. I really believe this, is in every human heart. We know that on this day something happened that's noteworthy. There's something instinctive. We want to come. We want to worship. We want to be there. There's something about this day that's inherently celebratory. I mean, look, you know, I I hadn't had a tie on in a while myself. Come on, look around this room. Tell somebody next to you, you really look nice today. Go ahead and tell them that. Okay. Now, this time, say it like you mean it. Tell somebody... You really look nice today. I mean, you really do. You really do. And, and, and can I tell you something? It's not just about, you know, springtime and, 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 you know, time to get some new clothes. There's something in this. I want you to get this. There's something going on in your heart that tells you today's special. There's something bigger than you drawing you into the message of this day and reminding us. This is an important day. Something important happened on this day. So on this day of celebration, on this day of new beginnings and hope, why in the world am I going to preach a message entitled Trapped? Well, let me explain to you. Because Easter, as I said, is not just historical. Easter is not just surface. The message of Easter is that Jesus Christ willingly took our place, faced everything hell had to throw at him and us, And defeated death, hell, and the grave. Today means what he did 2,000 years ago is exactly what I need right now. Today means no matter what Satan has done to to break my life and, and, and to put me in a trap that Jesus knows how to set me free. In fact, what we're what we're finding is that there's some traps in life, and we've all faced them. There's some moments, some experiences that so affect us and impact us that we get stuck. We become trapped. And many of those traps, the only way out, the only rescue is through your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the good news. Trap. It's like a body laid in a tomb. 
That's what we're here celebrating. That that happened, but something else happened. When you're trapped, see if you resonate with this. It's like a body laid in a tomb. It, it's, it's the feeling of it's all over. It's that emotion of hopelessness. It means that you're in your heart, in your mind, you've begun to say, you know, there's no way out for me. There's no solution for me. I've, I've been in it too long. I've gone too far. I'm hopeless. I'm trapped. It's like I'm living my life in a tomb. And, and for many scenarios, that could be true. Except Jesus Christ has been there and done that. <laughs> He's been laid in the worst tomb, the biggest trap that could ever be done. And he knows how to get you out of yours. Can somebody say amen for that? So what makes this trap that I'm going to share with you today? This tomb that so many people face. Why is it so intense? Let me tell you why. Because you are buried alive in this tomb. You're in there. You know you're in there. You instinctively know something is more for my life than this. You're, you're battling against that. But here's the problem. Listen to me. The longer you stay in that trap, the longer you live in that trap, you begin to accept that trap. You begin to accept that tomb. Your trap begins to become your identity. Are you hearing me today? And so instead of believing there's something better for me, instead of beginning, instead of continuing to pray, instead of continuing to say, God, I'm not giving up, I'm not giving in, we begin to just redecorate our tombs. We just try to make this place God never intended for us livable. We begin to accept, we begin to settle. We begin to redecorate our tombs. We're in this trap and we've been there and we're giving up. And so we say, well, if I'm going to live here, let's redecorate. But the problem is, so you say, well, we need to paint the wall over there. So in this trap, in this tomb, you start painting that wall with the color of bitterness. And you say, well, let's paint the wall over here. And, And you dip in and you begin to paint this wall with victimization. And you say, well, we need to do something about the floor in this tomb. And so you, you cover the floor with hopelessness. And then you say, well, let's put some more decoration in this tomb. And, and so you put some pictures of people out. But the pictures of the people in your tomb are not ones that make you smile. In this place of being trapped, the pictures framed there are people, oh, I remember when they hurt me. And I remember when they did that to me. And so this tomb that we're trying to make livable, we're redecorating with the very things that put us in there. Everybody with me? So, so we're saying, okay, <laughs> I got it. What's the trap? Glad you asked that. Let's go to Luke 17, 1. So what's this trap? I can tell you that it has snared millions of people. Are you hearing me? Millions of people. Luke 17, 1. I want to read from the uh, New King James translation. Look, look at this with me. Jesus said to his disciples, watch this. It's impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him for whom they come. Jesus said, it's impossible, but that offenses will come. I want you to get that. Now, let's look at this in the New International Translation. It uses another word for offenses. It uses a word here. Watch this. Jesus said to the disciples, things that cause people to sin or stumble are bound to come. One translation says stumble. So what are we seeing here? There is something called an offense that happens in your life. Someone has done something to you that's an offense. And the Bible says you can't live your life 
without people doing things to you sometimes. How many are with me? And so you can't run around saying, I can avoid all offense. Someone is going to commit an offense towards you. And then the other translation says it's going to make you stumble. And one translation we read here says it's going to cause your life to sin or miss the mark. So, so here's what happens. Offenses will happen. But we do not have to become trapped by those offenses. There are millions of people caught in the trap of offense today. John Bevere, his book says, listen to this, that the offense is the bait of Satan. If Satan wants to trap you, he has to bait the trap, right? He has to put something in there that'll catch you. The offense is the bait. If we step in that and take the offense, we're going to become trapped. I want you to stay with me for a minute. Because everybody faces these things. Listen, offense is the action, but offended is the reaction. Just because someone commits an offense against me, just because they bait the trap, doesn't mean I have to become offended. Offense is the action. Offended is the reaction. Offense is inevitable, but offended is optional. So in other words, living in this life, we are in a time in our culture where offenses are occurring on a regular basis. There are people in your family that have committed an offense against you. There are people in the workplace that have committed an offense against you. There are people in every relationship. Every relationship has the possibility for there to be an offense. But that's just debate. How I respond to the offense is if I become trapped. Offense is what you do. Offended is how I respond. And if I become offended, I become trapped. How many are listening to me? We live in an age of offense. Would you agree with me? We live in an age of offense. It seems like everybody I know is offended about something today. Come on, don't leave me now. Everyone. In fact, these offenses are so common, people becoming offended, it's become the norm. In fact, most people today get their identity from the thing that's offended them. They get around everybody else that's offended. Our common ground in our culture today is not our hope, our dream, our faith, where we're going. It's what we're all offended by. I'm in this offended group. Well, I'm in this offended group. Well, I'm offended because you're not offended by what offended me. See, it's the, it's the age of offense. But being offended is your decision. You can't control who commits the offense. In fact, you know, I hate to say this. Because I love the U.S. of A, but we've almost become the U.S.O., the United States of offense. It's like our identity has reached a level that's, that's almost unacceptable. So let me help you. Here, here's a, a strong question. What's your level? What's your current level of offendability? What's your level of offendability? You know what I've discovered? Usually in my life, let's talk about me. Usually in my life, my level of offendability is equal to my level of spiritual maturity. <laughs> kind of hurts, doesn't it? So George Sawyer, what's your level of offendability? How easy it is, is it to offend you? Well, it's probably directly proportionate to how easy it is or, or what my spiritual maturity is. If I keep tripping over little things, I'll never do big things for God. If I keep becoming offended by little things here and there, I'm never going to see these good things God has for me. Now, here's what I want to show you today. God, I want you to get this. God may just have placed a miracle on the other side of your offense. I believe if you and I understand 
what Jesus did on the cross and in the tomb, and we apply that to the things that are trapping us, I believe the miracle you've been praying for, the miracle you've been looking for, the breakthrough you've been seeing, it's just on the other side of that offense. I've got to learn how to get over that. Can somebody say amen? See, we're going to be forced to make those decisions. In fact, let me show you this. Matthew 24.10. This is why this is so on time. I want you to look at this. The, the disciples said, Jesus, is offense a big thing? Oh, it's a huge thing. Being offended, it will trap you from the best thing God has for you. People are trapped in a marriage and are unhappy because they become offended and don't know what to do with that. People aren't happy at their job because they're offended and don't know what to do with that. Students go to school and they're trapped and offended and they don't know how to get out of that. It impacts every area of our life. But I want you to know something. This age of offense we're living in is no surprise to God. In fact, the disciples said, Lord, what will be the signs of your return? What is an end time sign? I believe we are so close to the return of the Lord. I believe we are running to that day. And Jesus said, this is amazing. Look at Matthew 24 and verse number 10. I want you to see this here. He says, what's going to be a sign of the end? And many will be offended. Wow. Will betray one another and will hate one another. The Bible, Jesus said, in the days before his return, one of the signs that we're living in those days is offense. People are going to become offended. Do you know that, that I believe that if this is the season, if this is the trap the enemy would use, God has a solution for that today. He has an answer for that today. So, so we see this. So, so I, I want to take you uh, to a passage today that I want to open up to us and show us how to get out of the trap. How many are ready to break out of some traps today? You'll say amen. We understand I had to get your attention. I had to get you focused on what may be tripping you up, getting you stuck trapping you along the way. I believe being offended is one of Satan's number one uh, strategies against people today. I believe coming out of the trap of offense can rescue you like coming out of the tomb and being resurrected. So look at this passage. I, I, I took a risk to teach this passage. No preacher wants to preach from the passage I'm about to read to you, especially on Easter Sunday Because Jesus said something in this passage that seems offensive. And we don't want to talk about Jesus being offensive, right? We're like, no, 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 not Jesus. Okay, grandma can offend me and my uncle can offend me. Don't put Jesus in that category. I'm sticking my neck out today to help you come out of a trap. How many are going to take the journey with me? This is important. So let's go to Matthew 15 and verse number 21. Let's look at this. Matthew chapter 15. I want to begin reading one of the most unusual encounters you'll ever read in Scripture. But when you get this, it's going to set you free today, all right? This is going to release something deep inside of you. I want to illustrate this to you today. Matthew 15 and verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out. Now, this woman is desperate. Lord. Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. This was a desperate moment, all right? She comes up crying out to him. Are you ready? Verse 23. Jesus did not answer a word. What in the world? Let's keep reading. You got quiet. So did I first time I read this. 
So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. Oh, here it comes. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Don't leave right now, please. Don't leave right now. Don't turn this off right now. Stay with me. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, then, someone say then, then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. All right, you ready now? We got to open some things up and walk through some things. So look at this verse. Verse 21 says, that she was, uh, verse 22, a Canaanite woman. She was a Gentile, not a Jew. There had been offense between the Jews and the Canaanites for centuries. Ever since Israel came into the promised land, there had been this ongoing battle. This was the Hatfields and the McCoys. Are you with me? These were the Crips and the Bloods. There was a fence here. Nobody liked the other one. They didn't want to talk to each other. They didn't want to contact each other. They did not want to come in the same vicinity of each other. But on this occasion, this Canaanite woman who lived with an offense towards Jews not only came, but she risked everything. She risked it all. She went into an uncomfortable setting. She went into a group of men whom she knew did not want her there. And why did she do it? Because the devil was messing with her daughter. Because she had become desperate. Everybody listening to me in this room right now. There are going to be moments in your life where you're going to have to determine. This thing may be offensive to me, but I'm going to get through this thing. This may not be an easy moment for me, but I'm going to do the right thing. And so this woman, despite all the odds, despite all the history... Despite everything that made this moment awkward for her, she went to Jesus and said, Lord, you have to help me. My daughter is demon possessed. But Jesus did not say a word. That makes us uncomfortable in this room today, does it? What do you mean he didn't say a word? It's the offense of being invisible. You're just invisible. The offense of being invisible. What do you mean? Everyone in this room has had that battle at one time. Somebody treated you in a way that you did not appreciate. You felt invisible and you got trapped there. In other words, you live with this mindset. No one sees me. No one knows me. I don't matter to anyone. I text you and you didn't respond. And I looked and it said red on the bottom of that. I know you saw it. You, you, you act like I'm not here. No one hears me. No one notices me. We, we are in a, in a uh, what would I say, the hangover of the COVID pandemic of isolation. We have isolated ourselves. We have become uncomfortable friends in our tomb with isolation. We, we don't go anywhere. We don't talk to anyone. We stay home and work. We binge on Netflix. We don't ever see any people. And then we feel offended because we're isolated. I hide from everybody and I'm offended because nobody sees me. 
I'm intimidated. See, I'm invisible. The offense of being invisible. He didn't say a word to me. I mean, it was like, you you know what it's like? She said, Jesus. And he's just. Just scrolling. He leaves the disciples. You see this? Yeah. She's over here. He didn't even say a word to her. She's invisible. He didn't see her. He didn't acknowledge her. You know, can I, can I tell you something? People that crave, listen, I'm going to help someone. People that crave to be noticed will always feel invisible. If you live for everyone else to respond, you know, we, the only reason you told somebody, I'm sorry, forgive me, is so they would say, I'm sorry and forgive you back. Come on. The, you know, we, we, so if I crave attention, if I crave notice, if I crave this, I'm never going to have enough. Somebody understand what I'm saying? It becomes a trap through which there's no way out. This lady had to deal with this, this trap of being invisible. Jesus did not even answer her. Listen to me, but she stayed. Someone say that with me, but she stayed. She stayed. We give up too soon. We walk off too soon. Oh, you think I'm invisible? Oh, you don't know. I'm, that's, I'm, I'm quick. Not this lady. Jesus. Jesus. Maybe we're not desperate enough. Maybe we made an, a, a, a compromise. Maybe we're, that's your identity. I'm going to tell you, you were created to be invisible. You were created to live in that bondage. You were created to do that. Sometimes you're going to have to stay when everyone else leaves. Is anybody with me? So then what happened? So Jesus didn't say a word. She got this trap of being invisible. But then the disciples, God, help us with those disciples. Look at the disciples. Come on, look at it again. What did they say? What did they say? Uh, verse 23, Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. Kind of interesting, isn't it? I thought I heard the woman say, Jesus. But the disciples said, they're crying out after us. Maybe somebody needs to roll it back a minute. Maybe somebody needs to be remembered. What did Jesus do for us? I'm going to step on some some thin ice. Maybe the church needs to remember that the world is not crying for more churchianity. They're crying out for Jesus. Maybe we need to understand it's not a we thing, it's a him thing. Maybe we need to realize that they need Jesus. Maybe we need to do a better job of bringing them to Jesus. It's not us. It's not us. Oh, what did they say? Send her away. Really? Send her away. How did Jesus treat you? Did he send you away? Did he tell you you don't matter to me? Did he say, you know what the second offense this lady had to deal with? She had to deal with the offense of the institution. What do you mean? I'm talking about the church, the institution. She had to deal with that. You know, let let me say this. Sometimes those who bear his name, those who are around Jesus can get in your way of getting to Jesus. You're going to have to recognize that the behavior of the people around him is not a reflection of his nature and who he is. 
There are going to be moments in church that somebody's going to hurt your feelings. There's some people here today you hadn't been in a while because somebody that bore his name did something that wasn't like him. But if the church is saying, send them away, Jesus is saying, bring them here. You, you and I need to understand that, 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 that there's some important things. I, I want you to know the majority of Christians I know are amazing people. They're great people. The majority of churches are wonderful. But sometimes the church messes up. But what did the lady do? She said, I'm staying here. <laughs> she says, I see what you're doing. I hear what you said. But I'm not walking away right now. You know, do you have anyone in your family that may not represent you <laughs> the way you'd like to be represented? Come on, tell the truth. Is there somebody that shows up at the family reunion that you hope won't tell anybody they're your relative? You know, you got weird Uncle Harry, wild Aunt Wanda. You know who I'm talking about. Is there someone in your family that doesn't really represent you? Well, you're still in the family, aren't you? There's some folks in the church that really don't represent him like they should. But it doesn't change the fact he's wonderful. In fact, there is a perfect church. There's just nobody in it. So here, here's what you've got to see. The institution will get in the way sometime. Those that are around him. Those that should be representing him will sometimes make a mistake. But I'm thankful that this lady, and here's what I believe. If the Bible says, and and Jesus said in Matthew 24, offenses and offended will be a sign of this age. Then I believe this event was recorded for us that are living in the end of the age so that we'll know how to respond to the traps of the devil. So that when somebody treats me like I'm invisible, I'm going to stay with Jesus. When somebody in the institution uh, hurts my feelings, I'm not going to become offended because this is what I know. If I leave, it's over. If I go, I'm never going to find what I need. And sometimes the institution's going to get in your way. Then I want you to see finally in verse 24, Jesus answers her. And he said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. This is called the offense of insignificance. What what do you mean only to Israel? Jesus, I'm human. I'm a person. And and, and so what are you doing? You're you're telling me that, that I'm insignificant. You're telling me that I don't measure up, that I'm not enough because I'm not from Israel. I don't get your attention. I don't get your help. Can I, let me help you some. Offenses are like lenses. Offenses are like lenses. They, they, they give us perspective. Frank, come here for a minute. Come, come here. I had to find somebody close with some glasses on. Come, come on up here right now. Come on up here with me. See, offenses are like lenses. Everybody with me? So, so can I see your glasses? Thank you. All right. So you, you come in today and, and you say, well, Frank didn't even say hello to me today. Frank didn't even acknowledge me today. You know, you know, it's Frank. He's up here on the front. Frank didn't even look at me. I, he treated me insignificant. But remember, offenses are like lenses. And so what you don't know is that if you put on Frank's glasses, you're saying, dear God, Frank is blind as a bat. And now all of a sudden, you know why? You sat over there and Frank didn't wave at you from over here. He couldn't see you over there. It was not that you're insignificant. Frank didn't see you. 
Offenses are like lenses. We need to get our perspective. Thank you, and you're not blind. So, so we, we've got to get this right. Do you see how easily offended we become? Oh, so, so you, you, you mean to tell me because I'm not in the loss of the, uh, the, the people of Israel that, that, that I don't get anything and all we get mad. Can I give you some help? Can I give you some help? When an offense comes to you, would you pray before you post? Maybe we should pray before we repeat. You got offended at poor Frank and he didn't even see you. And you went and told your friend, Frank Barry, he wouldn't wave at me. He didn't shake my hand. It was Easter Sunday morning. I walked in and sat down. You would think I'm so insignificant. He treated me like I'm a nobody. It's insignificant. And you know your friend that wasn't even here Sunday? Now they're like, have you ever met Frank? I, that Frank's a jerk. I'm going to tell you one thing. Where does he go? Oh, he goes to Calvary. Oh, I'm not going to Calvary. Everybody at Calvary is is unfriendly. No. See what you did? Maybe you ought to pray. See, some of you messed your marriage up. Because every time you and your spouse have a little disagreement, you run to mommy and daddy. I've got the worst spouse in the world. You can't believe what they said to me. And then, you know, the next, then you come home, oh, honey, baby, yeah, it's okay. Well, mom and dad over here offended. Mm. The next family reunion, you come in, mom and dad. And you're like, well, no, you should have prayed. You should have not posted. You should have done. Here, can I tell you? You should have said, God, listen to me. Offenses are like lenses. You should have prayed. Lord, give me some clarity. God, give me some clarity. God, give me some humility. See, you need to say... Did that really happen or is that just the way I saw it? Was that really what they meant or was that the way I understood it? Listen, let me tell you something. Just because you're hurt doesn't mean you're right. Pain's not the proof of truth. So you can get offended over something that didn't even happen. Just because I'm hurt doesn't mean I'm right. Come on, are you with me? Just because I'm offended doesn't mean I'm right. See, watch this. From her vantage point, what Jesus said was insignificant. Listen, I'm going to help you. But from his vantage point, it was precedence. She called it insignificance. He understood it as precedence. In other words, he said, I have an assignment. I'm walking in the purposes of God. There is something I'm supposed to do first before I take the next step. He didn't say you're insignificant. He didn't say you're unimportant. He said, I'm following an assignment and you're in it, but not at this moment. Let me explain significance and precedence. What if on your way out today, you're walking out to the car and you're so blessed by the service, you're dancing and shouting out there, hallelujah, and you twist your ankle and they put you in the car and they rush you to the ER, and you're in the ER, and they're taking care of you, and all of a sudden, a gunshot victim comes rolling in. Well, he's dying, bleeding. And they say, here, put this ice pack on your ankle, and they start working on him. It's not that you were insignificant. It's that his wound had precedence. Now, how foolish would you look because you had a sprained ankle, and this guy's dying, and you get up off that table and throw that ice pack down. I'll tell you one thing. I'll never come back to this ER again. 
Bless God, they just come working on him, threw me to the side. Act like I don't even matter. I'll tell you this. I, and you are trapped in insignificance when it was just perspective. Is anybody with me right now? See, gee, see, see, listen, listen. Sometimes, I want to help you. That prayer you're praying, God heard it. You're not invisible. You're not insignificant. But there is a timing to what God is doing. There is a precedence to what's happening in heaven. And the prayer you're praying to be answered has been heard. And is important. And is significant. But in the plan and the will and the presence and the knowledge of God. He can't answer it today. Because you're not ready for the answer today. It's not lined up for today. But what did she do? She had been treated as if she was invisible. She had been offended by the institution. She had been offended by insignificance. But she didn't leave. The woman stayed. She just stayed. God, I'm staying. You know, maybe we would not be offended if we would stay more. (laughs) She had three chances to be offended and she didn't take them. Are you with me now? But then we read in verse 25, the woman came and knelt. She got on her knees. She said, oh God. Oh, Jesus. She changed her posture. Are you with me? She's no longer standing. She's kneeling. She got into the posture of prayer. She got into the posture of worship. She said, Jesus, Jesus, do you know what will keep you in place while your miracle's on the way? When you've had a chance to be offended at at, at, uh, invisibility, the institution and insignificant. If you'll get on your knees, if you'll find a place of worship, if you say, oh God, I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. I wish I wasn't in this place. Something will happen in your life. You'll stay when everybody else leaves. But I got to go to verse 26. You would think this is where the miracle happens, right? Let's read this. Look at verse 26. Jesus replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Oh my goodness. The lady's been through three offenses and she's still there. Come on, Jesus. She prayed three times. She's praying now. She's on her knees praying now. And, and, and you come out with the dog stuff? You know what happens now? It's the offense of insult. He called her a dog. I mean, I'm sorry. I can't change it. It's like, it, it, it's the dog. So, now, let me help you out. Bible scholars, language scholars, I, I feel their pain because I wrestled with it. So, here's what, if you'll read about this, it, it will tell you. Well, well, there was a common phrase in that day that was just accepted in culture. This phrase, dog, meant someone outside. The Gentiles were outside the covenant of Israel. So it wasn't like you were exactly insulting them. It was just a common word. Let's get real. Dog is dog. You understand what I'm saying? You're, you're praying help and somebody says you're a dog. How many, don't raise your hand. But in your heart, don't tell a lie. How many of you are saying, I'm out. I'm going to forget you, Jesus. You call me a dog after all I've been through. Now I get the dog stuff. Now, if you study a little more, because I had to, because this is quite (laughs) unusual interaction. 
Again, I believe it was recorded just for this day and time that we're living in, in this age of offense. I got some of these concepts. I'm always looking for illustration from, from a message from Robert Madu, and I appreciate that. And, and, and so if you dig a little deeper, you're going to find an interesting occurrence in the scripture, in this text. Because the word that the Gentiles always used to call a Gentile a dog was a term for wild dog, outside house dog, wild dog, feral dog. You're outside. You're Gentile. You're not in the covenant. But what he said to this lady was a different word. He read it here. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. The word he used was pet dog, not wild dog. Pet dog. You say, Pastor, you're splitting hairs. Dog is dog. He called the woman the dog. The offense of being insulted, either way, called her a dog. Do you know, I'm going to bring this, kind of wind this down. Maybe some of you have felt insulted by your circumstances. I know Christians and I understand it. Say, I've been insulted by God. God insulted me. He didn't call me a dog. But I've prayed and counseled with people to encourage their marriage. And then my spouse left me. I feel insulted. My, my, my service insulted me. I prayed and counseled with other people and, and, and was a youth sponsor and worked with kids. And my daughter went off on drugs. I'm insulted at God. God, I, I, I don't understand the treatment. I don't like the circumstances. This thing didn't line up to... The, the, the way I wanted to line up. You, you understand. He got quiet in the house because there are people at times, if you're going to be honest, you've dealt with not only being the offense of being insulted, you're offended from it. It's affected your prayer life. It's affected your faith. It's affected your church attendance and your worship. I feel insulted. How could that happen to me? If all these things I've done, the situation's insulting to me. And you know, I think this lady at this time, come on, she says, <laughs> the offense of tre- treat me like I'm invisible. The, the institution offended me. Insignificance was thrown in my face. And now, after all this, I'm insulted? I'm insulted? And I think that she, like any of us, we, we may have gone to before. She just kept staying. But I think after this, she probably was turning to walk off. She was about to say, I've had enough. I can't take anymore. If this is who it is, this is how it works, I'm leaving. But I think as she was leaving, something happened and she goes, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He didn't say I was a wild dog. He said, I'm a pet dog. Now, some of you treat your pets better than your children, but I won't go through that now. He said, he, she, she said, wait a minute. No, 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 wait a minute. He said something different to me. He didn't say I'm the outside dog. He said I'm a pet. He, he, he said I have a place in the house. I'm not outside rummaging through the trash like a wild dog. I'm not laying down anywhere I can. In other words, it's not so much about the word dog. It's about the truth. I've got a master now. I'm not out here by myself. I can come in the house. If the master eats, I can eat. If it's raining outside, I'm dry on the inside. Wait a minute. What life threw at me, what tried to insult me, what the devil tried to twist around me, the lady began to realize I'm not forsaken. I'm not thrown down. I'm not overlooked. Wait a minute. He 
threw me something. He told me something. He said, lady, you're not just outside. You're inside. You belong here. You have a master. You have a hope. And then what happens? Then what happened? Look at this with me. She, verse 28, then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that moment. What happens when the offense come and you don't give up? And another offense come and you don't give up? And another offense come and you don't give up? And finally the insult. But when you get over all this stuff, there's a miracle waiting for you over here. See, sometimes I have to decide all the stumbling blocks. That the devil threw in my life. I'm going to make it a stepping stone. And this didn't get me. So I make it a stepping stone. And this didn't get me. So it's a stepping stone. And this didn't get me. It's a stepping stone. I'm not leaving until I get my miracle. I refuse to be trapped. To give up. To go away. I want to say to you today. It's time to leave the hate and the haters behind you. It's time to leave the offense and the offenders behind you. It's time to leave the pain and the painkillers behind you. It's time to get over the lies of the devil and save God before me. Who can be against me? See, it doesn't make sense till I get down here. It doesn't add up till I get down here. It's not worth it till I get down here. But the moment... Jesus said, ma'am, your daughter is well. She said, I'm glad I didn't leave right here. I'm glad I didn't leave right here. I'm glad I didn't give up right here. I'm glad I didn't go home right here. I was ready to leave. I was ready to quit. But I realize now that these attacks against me were not stumbling blocks. They were steps into the miracle that I've been waiting for all my life. I want you to stand with me today. And I want to put this miracle right here. Well, I got to put it right here. Because you don't get it to the end. I want you to hear me today. This is life. Here. This is life. And here's what I know. Listen to me closely. As a pastor, I meet people trapped right here regularly. Are you listening? Look at me. Trapped right here. I meet them all the time. I meet lots of people trapped right here. We pray with them. We counsel them. It's right here. I meet people right here. Listen, right here I meet a lot of people trapped. You know where I meet them? Out in public. Out around here and there. What do you mean? Because they didn't stay. They left. They didn't stay. They gave up. And their opinion of Jesus is, what's wrong with him? What's wrong? You know what? It's worth getting through some people that didn't really represent Jesus at church to get to the miracle Jesus has for you. It's worth getting over some of these things that I'm, I'm not insignificant. God's timing was just different, and I'm going to trust Him till I see it happen. It's not that you're invisible because when He was on the cross, you're the one that He saw. And if there's any place that could, could represent Jesus as He hung on that cross for you, He was insulted. He was lied on. He was offended. He died for people on that cross that had forsaken him. He took stripes on his back for people that had rejected him. 
He forgave the guards that had crucified him. He prayed for the Pharisees that had falsely put a trial on for him. And you know what happened because he did that? He didn't get stuck. He didn't stay there. Three days later, we're here celebrating. There was an incredible resurrection. And everything the world did to keep him from the cross was taken away. So today, I want to pray with you right now. I want to encourage you today. That today is not just about a day on the calendar. Today is not just a day where we came and we felt good for the day. I want you to hear me. Today, you can leave here a different person than it walked in. Today, you may have come in trapped. Maybe you didn't know it. Maybe you realized, this has stolen my joy. This is what robbed my hope. This is where my dreams went. This is why I can't seem to ever be happy. This is why my family is always in turmoil. This is why my marriage doesn't work. Here it is. Jesus has an answer. You don't have to live trapped. You don't have to live in a tomb. There's healing and breakthrough for you today. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.